Welcome to Linda's Corner. My name is Linda Bjork. According to Google Analytics, the keyword depression is searched over half a million times every month. This prevalent condition is an important public health problem in the United States and in the world. So today I'm going to be talking a little bit about depression, including some of the possible causes, some of the ways that it affects the brain, why it's so hard to overcome, and several self-help tips. Some practitioners classify depression into two broad types, endogenous or chemical depression, which is thought to reflect some kind of chemical imbalance in the brain, and exogenous or external depression, which is thought to arise from an external cause like a traumatic life experience or stress. Basically, this means that depression can stem from internal physiological imbalances or external environmental sources like stress, worry, discouragement, and so forth, or a combination of those. Some physicians believe that depression arises from a belief that we're powerless to solve our problems. People feel helpless, and that leads to feelings of hopelessness. Everyone gets discouraged or depressed now and then, so how do you know when your depressive symptoms have reached a point where professional help would be a good idea? Here's a good rule of thumb. If your depressed mood lasts more than two weeks or is seriously interfering with your ability to function at work, with your family, your social life, or you are contemplating suicide, it would be a very good idea for you to consult with a mental health professional as soon as possible and make an appointment. If your situation is more serious and you're feeling acutely suicidal, there is no time to waste with appointments. Take yourself immediately to your local hospital emergency room and tell them. Or call the Suicide Prevention Lifeline or simply call 911. It's helpful to seek a professional who helps you determine the root cause of the depressive symptoms. Treatment that addresses root causes is more likely to be successful long-term than treatment that merely addresses symptoms. Speaking of symptoms, one of the advantages of consulting with a mental health professional is that they can prescribe antidepressant medication, which plays a critical role in the treatment of depression. In the right patient, antidepressants reduce the symptoms of suffering exceptionally well and can be literally life-saving. But medication does have its limitations. It is important to understand that antidepressants only treat the symptoms of depression. They can't actually make anyone happy. Happiness isn't merely the absence of suffering. Many experts feel that the best approach is to treat the symptoms of depression with antidepressants at the same time as addressing the underlying cause of the depression itself. Depression is a big fat pain and super frustrating to deal with because it diminishes hope and motivation. You're not only fighting an illness, it feels like you are fighting against yourself because depression attacks the very things that make you, you. It alters your thoughts, your feelings, and your desires, replacing them with apathy and despair. Without hope, there is little desire to try to fight depression, because your mind tells you that nothing works anyway, so why try? This is not just on a mental or emotional level. It occurs on a neurological and molecular level, and I'll explain a little bit about that. 
Our brains have a system of rewards that bring pleasure and helps us feel good. When we experience something pleasant, our brains release certain chemicals like dopamine and serotonin into the neural pathways of the brain called the reward center, and it makes us feel good. But our bodies and our brains like to be balanced. So there's often one system to start or create something and another system to stop or restrain that thing. So there's a way to maintain balance and equilibrium. And this is true in the brain as well. In addition to the reward center, we have another system called the nociception modulatory system. It is part of the way the brain modulates pain. And it produces another chemical, which is called nociceptin. Nociceptin suppresses dopamine. It's kind of like kryptonite to it. It just shuts it down. Some scientists call it anti-dopamine. If our regulatory systems aren't functioning like they should, and the brain is producing too much nociceptin, it neutralizes feelings of joy and happiness and restrains motivation. And this can happen in disorders like depression and addiction. Nociceptin has been called the frustration neuron, and it could help explain on a chemical level why we give up. It can also explain why a person suffering from depression feels no happiness, even in pleasant circumstances. The bottom line is that there is a valid neurological reason that a depressed person feels the way he or she does. It's not just in their head or a simple case of needing to snap out of it. People struggling with depression need compassion rather than judgment and condemnation. With a new insight and understanding nociceptin and its effects in the brain, Scientists are in the process of trying to develop new chemical interventions to help restore balance. But, in the meantime, there are things that we can do to help ourselves. Through MRI scans, we now have proof that changes in thinking and changes in our actions can cause significant measurable changes in brain chemistry and functioning. That means that changing the way that we think can actually help repair malfunctioning regulatory systems and restore balance. One exciting development is the science of epigenetics, which literally means above or on top of genetics, and it gives wonderful hope about our ability to heal. New findings suggest that our attitude, whether positive or negative, literally affects the cells in our body. Developing a positive attitude can actually reprogram cellular health and behavior. That means that we have the power to change many things about the way we are, including our mental, emotional, and even physical health, by changing the way that we interpret events and situations which happen to us. The initial step in healing from depression is feeling a glimmer of hope that healing is actually possible. Without hope, there is little desire to fight depression because your mind tells you that nothing works anyway, so why try? The purpose of this podcast is twofold. The first purpose is to validate that depression is real. 
there is a valid neurological reason that a depressed person feels and acts the way he or she does. It's not just in their head or a simple case of needing to snap out of it. The second purpose is to offer hope that it is possible to cause significant, measurable changes in brain chemistry and functioning by making conscious changes in our actions and in the way we think. While healing from depression isn't quick or easy, you do have more control than you realize. There is a catch-22 situation when dealing with depression. When things feel hopeless, there's no desire to try. And depression diminishes hope and motivation and replaces them with apathy and despair. And as we've already discussed, this is not just on an emotional level. It occurs on a neurological and molecular level. I understand how this feels. I struggled with depression for five years, and my motivation dried up and disappeared along with my hope and happiness. I thought the best I could do with this new reality was to endure each miserable day. In my mind, there was no hope of escape, and nothing that I could do would make any difference. These thoughts and feelings made it very difficult to do anything that could help me feel better. But fortunately, there's a difference between difficult and impossible. I also learned that we can do hard things. There is a saying that a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. The secret is to start small and take a single step, followed by another step and another step. It is through a process of following small, positive steps day by day that helps to lift the heavy fog of depression and reveal the sunshine of hope and happiness. This process really works. It worked for me, and chances are, it can work for you too. Here are a few tips to begin taking those small, simple steps. Tip number one, take a good quality B-complex supplement each day. A deficiency in B vitamins has been shown to be linked to depression. Some people have seen a noticeable improvement in the way that they feel mentally and emotionally just by including a vitamin B supplement to their daily routine. Their brains just needed the right nutritional tools to work with. There are eight B-complex vitamins, but they're not all called vitamin B. They have other names including thiamine, riboflavin, niacin, panathenic acid, biotin, vitamin B6, folate or folic acid, and B12. I don't know why they name them that way, and I don't know why there's a vitamin B12 when there are only eight B vitamins, but I do know that vitamin B can make a difference. Deficiencies in vitamin B, particularly vitamins B6 and B12, have been shown in multiple studies to be linked to symptoms of depression. As a word of caution, we need to recognize that not all supplements are the same quality. Low-quality supplements aren't very effective. There is a website called Multivitamin Guide that compares the effectiveness of a hundred different vitamin brands, which may be a useful guide in selecting a good quality supplement. 
Tip number two, listen to positive, upbeat music. Listening to positive, upbeat music is a simple yet effective way to boost mood and motivation. According to neurologists, listening to music affects our emotions and brings back the feeling of life when nothing else can. Research shows that different kinds of music can actually produce different kinds of emotions. Sad music can help offer a release of pent-up negative emotions, while positive, upbeat music can help move the brain into a more active state as brain waves actually synchronize somewhat to the pace of the music you're listening to. When we're trying to invigorate brain function and activity, there's nothing more powerful than music. Scientists have found that music stimulates more parts of the brain than any other human function. Tip number three, sing a song. While listening to music is an amazingly effective tool on its own, singing along with the music adds a whole new dimension and bumps up the power of healing exponentially. Singing has been scientifically proven to lower stress, relieve anxiety, and elevate endorphins, which help you to feel uplifted and happy. It helps relax muscle tension and decreases the level of stress hormones in the bloodstream and can help take your mind off the day's trouble to boost your mood. Participants in one study showed significant decreases in both anxiety and depression levels after one month of just adding singing to their daily routine. So if you find yourself in a rough spot, sing along to a positive, upbeat song. Sing through one song three times or sing three different positive songs once. Allow the music to wash through you and feel the healing and invigorating effects immediately lifting mood and bringing relief. From my own experience, I can say that it really works. Tip number four, go for a walk. It sounds like a paradox to ask a person who may struggle finding the motivation to get out of bed to add walking to their daily routine. But studies show that exercise actually helps you feel more energized and less fatigued. If we want to have more energy, then we need to move more. Virtually any form of exercise can act as a stress reliever. It does wonderful things to help our emotional well-being and is one of the most powerful tools in your recovery arsenal. Exercise increases the production of endorphins, which are the brain's feel-good neurotransmitters. Walking is also a form of moving meditation. Any type of exercise, including walking, helps us to calm down and distracts us from our problems. It helps improve mood, helps us relax, and improves the quality of sleep. So, if you're feeling depressed or discouraged, it might be a good idea to pause and go for a walk. Tip number five, boost mood and confidence with a hero pose. You can increase confidence and boost mood in just 90 seconds by doing this one simple trick. Put your chin up, smile, even if you don't feel like it, pull your shoulders back, stand straight and tall with your hands relaxed at your sides or on your hips, Keep both feet pointing forward and keep weight even on both legs. Hold this position for 90 seconds. 
Science shows that doing these things will not only make you appear more confident and happy, it actually makes you feel more confident and happy. Charles Darwin was actually the first to hypothesize that there is a connection between body language and our emotions that goes both ways. We smile when we feel good, but we also feel good when we smile. Today, that theory is called the facial feedback hypothesis, and it has been verified in study after study after study. The physical expressions of our body language influence our emotional experience. Even if you don't feel like it, doing the actions will help increase those feelings. If we want to feel happy, then we need to smile more. If we want to feel confident, then we stand tall and pull our shoulders back. Holding this pose for just 90 seconds boosts confidence, increases happiness, and lowers stress. Tip number six, make healthy food choices. There is a strong correlation between the way that we eat and the way that we feel. If we want to feel good, it's important to become aware of the way we eat and drink. Your brain functions best when you're eating high-quality foods that contain a lot of vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants. These things nourish the brain and protect it from oxidative stress. Diets high in refined sugars, on the other hand, are harmful to the brain. Multiple studies have found a correlation between a diet high in refined sugars and impaired brain function, and even a worsening of symptoms of mood disorders such as depression. Many people have seen tremendous physical, emotional, and mental improvements simply by altering their diets from sugary and nutritionally deficient processed foods to a diet rich with whole grains, organic fruits and vegetables, and good quality protein. Tip number seven, drink more water. Drinking water is a simple, effective, but often overlooked tool to improve mental and emotional health. Studies show that even mild dehydration has been shown to negatively affect brain structure and function negatively impact mood, and trigger fatigue. A healthy brain is made up of about 73% water, so adequate hydration is a big deal. Even a little dehydration, as little as 1%, begins to have negative effects on mood and brain function. Improve your mental and emotional health by including at least eight glasses of water in your daily diet. And by water, I mean actual water, not soda, diet soda, coffee, or tea. Studies have shown that caffeine consumption can lead to increased depression and also increases the need for anxiety medication. Tip number eight, connect with nature. Spending time outside in nature is good for the body and the mind. It helps distract us from problems and just helps us feel good. Research in a growing scientific field called ecotherapy has shown a strong connection between time spent in nature and reduced stress, anxiety, and depression. In a 2015 study, researchers compared brain activity between 
one group who spent 90 minutes in nature, and a control group. They found that the group who did a nature walk had significantly lower activity in the prefrontal cortex, which is the region of the brain that is active during rumination, which is when we experience that continuous loop of negative thoughts that just won't stop. Calming nature sounds and even outdoor silence can help lower blood pressure and levels of stress hormones. So go outside and make a connection with nature. Hear the birds or the waves or the rustle of the grass and the wind. Smell the flowers and the trees and see the beauty of nature around you. Enjoy a sensory experience in nature and feel its healing effects. Tip number nine, pet the dog. If you're feeling anxious, stressed, depressed, or lonely, one thing that might help is to spend some time petting a dog or cat. Science shows that playing with or petting an animal can reduce stress and also helps us reduce feelings of isolation and help us feel more connected. Petting a dog or cat increases the activity in the reward center of the brain, which lowers stress and increases feelings of happiness. It also decreases production of stress hormones, so it works in multiple ways to help us calm down and feel better. Tip number 10, serve someone else. Depression and anxiety tend to make a person retreat inward. Helping other people can help bring us outside of ourselves. It can also help distract us from our own problems and think about something else. Studies have shown that people who help others have lowered levels of depression and anxiety. In fact, in the research study, service was more effective in making a positive difference in the way participants felt about themselves than making an effort to pamper themselves or create self-esteem goals. I've shared 10 tips to help overcome depression. I know that's a lot to remember, but don't worry. All of this and more is written down and easily available on the Hope for Healing website at hopeforhealingfoundation.org. There's also a free ebook called Pathway to Happiness that shows how to use these tools in a regular, consistent manner to facilitate progressive healing. I need to include a warning that it won't be easy. I made another podcast that explains about hitting emotional walls and how to get through them. Please listen to that podcast before beginning a journey to healing. Are you ready to choose out of depression? No one chooses into depression. Nobody wants to enter into the world of depression and anxiety. It is thrust upon them against their will. However, no one is able to get out of the world of depression and anxiety without choosing to do something about it. That doesn't mean that depression is somehow your fault. It just means that it requires effort to overcome it. Whether that effort comes in the form of seeking professional help, consistently taking medication, following the principles and resources outlined in the Hope for Healing program, or a combination of techniques, is up to you. 
What matters is that a person has a desire to heal and take steps to accomplish that goal. If you're struggling with feelings of depression, I invite you to choose out and do something about it. You have more power than you realize. In closing, I'd like to share a quote from Christopher Reeve. Once you choose hope, anything is possible. See you next time on Linda's Corner.